Fastgear Launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud on Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are two brothers and we focus 100% on Amazon Web Services. Um, in this podcast, um, every other week, one of us prepares a topic that is not known to the other one. And this week, it's Michael's turn. So, Michael, um, what do you have in mind for us today? Andreas, so this week we talk about a way to figure out the best compute option on AWS for your project. So when you start using AWS, um, most of us start uh, migrating an existing application to AWS. And the first choice that you have to make after you decided for AWS is where do you run your application on? And basically the options are EC2, Fargate, um, and Lambda. And that's kind of the what we're going to talk about uh, today. And we're also going to talk about um, what questions you should ask yourself to figure out what the best option is uh, that fits your project. Before we start, we have an important announcement to make. We recently joined the GitHub Sponsors program, which means that you can now support our open source work by becoming a sponsor. So how does this work? If you use one of our open source projects and examples are our CloudFormation templates or our virus scan solution or our uh, EC2 SSH access, you are now able just by using GitHub to become a sponsor of our project. We are very happy to have our first sponsor on board. Thank you very much, Alex. And now back to the podcast, Andreas. Okay, so this week's episode is all about uh, choosing the best fitting compute option on AWS. Yeah, that's that's correct. Let's get started. Um, and before we really dive into the decision, uh, I want to uh, just give you a very short introduction of the different options. So the first option, and that's the, the most obvious choice, is uh, using EC2 virtual machines. So with EC2, you can run uh, Windows and Linux workloads. You can get really big machines. So I looked up the latest specs. It's amazing. So you can get 448 cores and up to 26 terabyte of memories and 100 gigabits network. And you can get things like GPUs. Uh, so there's a lot of resources available if you need them. And also uh, EC2 is built per second on Linux. So it's really flexible in terms of spinning up and spinning down uh, resources. And EC2 is really around for quite some time. So it is, it is a service where you very likely will not find a lot of missing pieces. So there are a lot of features already. Because of that, uh, in my opinion, that's the, the most mature option. And you can always fall back to that. The second option that we are going to consider today is Fargate. And Fargate is a way to run Docker containers on AWS directly. There is no need to install, configure, or patch a cluster. Uh, it's all managed by AWS. And it really feels like an EC2 instance. The only difference is that it's not a virtual machine, it's a container. The downsides here are that the maximum resources that you can get are four cores and 30 gigabyte of memory. You also have flexible uh, per second billing compared to the, or the same that you get with EC2. And in my opinion, that's the easiest way to run Docker containers on AWS. And we talked a lot about Fargate in the past. Um, so um, if, if you are interested in that, um, then, then check out the previous episodes. 
So last but not least, there is another option, and this is uh, one of the uh, like the newer kits on the block. It's called Lambda or Serverless, and it's an evolving technology, which means it's not yet mature. So there are not all the cases covered. So you will run into situations where uh, it feels a little bit uh, un, 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 unfinished. Um, but basically, how it works is you upload your source code, and AWS runs it for you. So you, you really only care about your code. You, you have nothing to do with the environment anymore. So not even the Docker image needs to be provided by you. And that's the, the most convenient way to execute code on AWS. The convenience comes with limitations, of course. Um, so you have to follow an event-driven programming paradigm if you use Lambda. Um, you can not run any execution longer than 15 minutes. So within 15 minutes, you have to finish the computational task. And also the number of supported programming languages is limited. So lots of limitations, but a lot of convenience. That's kind of the uh, the, the the summary here. So problem with this is um, we have now so many choices. Uh, so what is the best choice in a, a specific situation? And that's why I uh, created a decision tree. And the decision tree basically is a bunch of questions. And depending on um, your uh, answers to those questions, you will either uh, come uh, to the conclusion that Lambda is the best choice, that Fargate is the best choice, or that EC2 is the best choice. And what we're going to do uh, today here in this podcast is we basically walk through uh, the, uh, the decision tree discuss the question, also discuss like the background, why are these questions asked. Um, and you can um, download the decision tree if you uh, go to the show notes and there you will find the link to the blog post that comes with this episode. And there you will find all the information that you need to get the decision tree. So if you want to uh, use this for your projects and, and look it up, um, then there is a PDF uh, waiting for you. Okay, Andreas, any questions or can we start? No, that sounds fantastic. So, Michael, let's get started with the decision tree. Okay. So, maybe something that I have to mention here is that all those questions and decisions, and also those are the questions that I think are most important, are all collected based on um, what we see when we work uh, in projects with our clients. So, I mean, there are a potential very, very long list of questions that you could ask, but the questions that I will ask now um, or in the next uh, minute minutes are the most important ones. The, the most important question, uh, in my opinion, is, is the project a lift and shift project or is it a greenfield project? Depending on the answer here, um, you will um, be limited in your uh, choices. And so as a like rule of thumb is that if it's a lift and shift project, you are more likely running into the EC2 and Fargate direction. And while if it's a greenfield project, um, then you are more likely to be able to use Lambda or Fargate. Okay, so this is most likely because when we're doing a lift and shift project, we're probably spinning up a legacy application on AWS that is maybe 10 or hopefully not <laughs> not even 20 years old. And so it's, it's unlikely that this application fits into the limitations and also concepts um, that Lambda or maybe even Fargate um, yeah, are bringing with, uh, with them. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case, Andreas. Okay, so what what's the next question that that you can ask yourself if it's a lift and shift project? Um, the next question is if it's uh, a Windows only project. 
So does the application only runs on Windows? And if this is the case, then the decision is made, you have to run it on EC2. So there's no other option left. So that's the, like the, easy, the easy decision. But if it's um, an application that could also run on Linux, and if we like work with enterprises and there are like many applications that are Java-based, so very likely it, it can also run on Linux. Um, the question is not only does it run on Linux, the question is also is it like supported by the vendor to run on Linux. Um, but if this is the case, um, so if it's not Windows only, then we have to look into uh, other questions and now it gets a little bit more technical. Um, so the the next question that I ask um, our uh, customers is, um, does the application store um, state outside of an external database? So this could be a file system, or if it's more like uh, modern, could also be a shared memory uh, kind of thing, uh, like Hazelcast. And if this is the case, so if the data um, is also stored somewhere else than in a database, then in almost all cases, it's a, a good a good idea to run it on EC2 because EC2 is, is a more stable platform um, and Fargate assumes that your containers are stateless. So that's not a good fit if you have state in the containers. Okay, so basically the question here is, is the application or is my server basically, is it stateless or not? So does the EC2 instance or the Fargate container need to store any information on local disks or local means, either EBS volumes or instance storage. And if that's the case, um, and you need to somehow store data on disk or persist data on the machine, then basically your only option is, is EC2 instances. And by the way, <laughs> what is maybe important to mention here, your only option is EC2 instances. And also um, in that case, you cannot really make um, yeah, leverage all the feature set that EC2 comes with though you cannot do auto scaling groups among uh, multiple availability zones stuff like that because then you probably rely on a single EC2 instance which is in general not the best pattern on AWS but for many legacy applications and lift and shift um, projects it's sometimes the only possibility actually yeah so that's a good point um um, so I, that, that's not the, the level of detail that, that I, that I cover in the, in the decision tree, but that's also like an, an interesting question. So if you decide on easy tool, then, um, should you, do you want to run it in a high availability manner? Do you want to run it in an auto scale manner? So that, that's also, uh, interesting questions. And if it's a stateful application, as we call it, um, you will run into issues, um, with, with those concepts, like the more uh, cloud native concepts. Okay, Andreas. So the next question I I ask, and this is um, because of um, how enterprise applications sometimes are uh, architected. Um, the question is: Does the application come with its own cluster management mechanism? So sometimes the application servers that are used have their own um, kind of cluster management. They discover each other with different mechanisms. Uh, in, if you are in really bad situations, they use multicast but also maybe based on IP and then they talk to each other and form a cluster like a software cluster. And if this is the case, then they usually rely on fixed IP addresses and things like this. And then the choice is also kind of made because then you are limited to run it on EC2. The next question is about the resources that are used. So if you need more than, uh, or if the application needs more than 30 gigabytes of memory or four cores, or one gigabit network connection, or if you need something like GPUs, 
then you also have to uh, use EC2 because you, you don't get more than 30 gigabytes of memory or more than four cores uh, on, on Fargate. And also the network resources are pretty limited on Fargate. So you will not see 10 gigabits or, or more than that. So it's one gigabit uh, on, on average. So it's not really documented, uh, the, the network capabilities. And there's a, uh, some measurements out there in the, uh, in the open that people created. But um, um, if you have really high network requirements, then Fargate is very likely not the, the choice for you. So um, I would recommend using EC2 in this case. Okay, and so last but not least, the last question basically in this branch of the decision tree. Um, do you expect more than uh, 10 at 1,000 um, users um, using the application at the same time? So parallel users or concurrent users, however you call it. And if this is the case, then this kind of uh, implies that you probably should run on EC2. This also kind of is uh, related to the network requirements uh, because if you have 1,000 users in parallel, you will also generate uh, some traffic on the machines. Um, so usually then uh, you are better off using uh, EC2. Is it also because a high number of parallel uh, users or or maybe to phrase it other is a, a high number of, of requests <laughs> that are coming in per second. Also, um, from a price perspective, um, makes EC2 a much better option um, because, yeah, the, the the additional charge that we pay for Fargate and Lambda then gets maybe significant uh, compared to EC2. Is it is it also because of that? Yeah, so that's that's correct. So uh, at, at some point in time and and. The question is if it's really 1,000 users or if it's more or less, that, that really also depends on the on the application and how resource-hungry it is. But at, at some point in time, it it, it is um, it gets cheaper to manage EC2 on your own um, because the premium for Fargate gets so high that you can afford to have someone uh, take care of that. Okay, Andreas. So that's kind of the, the EC2 branch of the decision tree. So if it's Windows-only, or if it has external, um, if it if has some kind of state, the application that's not stored in a database, uh, if it comes with a magic cluster mechanism um, that the application brings with that relies on stuff like fixed IP addresses, or if it's really resource hungry, then uh, very likely EC2 is, is, is the best choice for you. So let's look into the other direction. So if it's a Greenfield project, and I think the, the next important question to ask here is, uh, do you build um, the um, application yourself? So do you have some kind of software development in-house or maybe also you have external software developers or do you buy an existing solution? So if you buy an existing solution, then you're more or less in the in the same branch than compared to the lift and shift um, uh, question. So you have to ask your vendor the same question. Does it run on Windows only? Uh, what about state? What about cluster management mechanisms and so on and so forth? So that's kind of more or less the same thing. If you buy something off the shelf, chances that it is cloud native are really low. Um, so that's at least what we see when we work uh, with clients that buy software. So usually this is really a software that, that also has been uh, on the market for quite some time. Yeah, I can maybe add one example here, maybe one one outlier to this rule. <laughs> so... so um, I was um, involved in a lift and shift project where um, the the application was uh, Oracle Apex. So this is a you call it you can call it a web framework, 
um, that Oracle is offering for their uh, Oracle database. And um, the funny thing here is um, it was a lift and shift project. It was a software that um, yeah, you can buy off the shelf basically and then do some um, development on top of that. Um, but it actually it fits into uh, a Fargate container because all the state is stored in the Oracle database. Um, so yeah, you have a stateless uh, server here. And also you don't have that uh, crazy um, uh, CPU or memory consumption here. So yeah, it's possible to run uh, Oracle Apex uh, on Fargate. So there are, of course, also uh, outliers to that rule. But but I will I agree in general, um, yeah, uh, a lift and shift project or also if you buy software from the shelf, uh, it's it's more likely that you end up um, with EC2 than with Fargate and Lambda. Okay, so when you uh, when you come to the conclusion that, that this is going to be an in-house development project um so i think the next question that you should ask yourself or also your team is um uh, if your team is is using opinionated frameworks so for example ruby on rails spring for java or the whole java e world uh, also django and uh, for python devs and, and and laravel for php developers and if uh they're using such a framework um the next question that i would ask them is um if your team is risk averse when using new technologies and if they are risk averse and when using new technologies and if they are comfortable within a like a framework that provides a lot of opinion and a lot of guidance how to solve a certain uh like a certain problem then this kind of leads into the same question that goes into the farge direction and basically the last question that, that could prevent you from using Fargate is um, that you are uh, running outside the, the resource constraints, so more than 30 gigs of memory, more than four cores and so on and so forth, or that you build an application that is really used by lots of users in parallel. But if you fit into the 30 gigs of memory and the number of, of concurrent users is not uh, higher than 1,000, then this is a perfect fit for Fargate. Um, because you can, from the beginning, use this or keep this limitation in mind with 30 gigabytes of memory you can keep the limitation in mind that you should store all the state in the database so basically you can follow all the best practices but you can stay within your framework where the people usually are most productive so if you use your framework for uh, like five or ten years then you can really solve problems in a, in a, in a very short time um, by by just using how it is done in your framework okay so what is if um, your developers are not using one of those frameworks or if they are like more interested in checking out new technologies. So we sometimes also say that like if it's kind of part of the compensation that that you uh, provide people some playground to 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 fiddle around with new technologies, that's in in many cases a a big piece of the motivation for software developers in some or in in some companies that that is definitely part of the compensation. So your your salary is a little bit lower, but you can play with the new stuff. Um Compared to if you work in a large enterprise, you'll probably have to use more the like old-fashioned technologies and your salary is a little bit higher, but uh, you, you probably are not able to check out every new technology that, that comes around. Okay, so if this is the case, so you have, some, you have uh, software devs that are interested in new technologies, then the next question that I would ask um, myself is if you can think of any heavy computational task in this new application that is hard to split into chunks. And the reason why I ask this question is because uh, if we try to run this on Lambda, 
we always have this runtime execution timeout. So we cannot run a computation for longer than 15 minutes. And I give you a few examples where this is a problem. So for example, if you have to download a single file, and this file is rather big, like maybe it's 50 gigabytes or, or even bigger, then it, it could be possible, and it's not possible to split this up because the file is 50 gigabytes and the, the source figure download the file. Uh, you cannot change the source. So you have to download this file and you have to process it in, in one shot. And so this is not a task that you can split up into, um, into pieces. And also if you run simulations that um, don't have a feature that is called checkpointing, so basically we can store or save the state and then run from this state um, in another execution. So those are all indicators that uh, you cannot split the computational tasks into uh, smaller chunks. Yeah, I want, I want to add something here. So, so one is, I think, um, you asked the question, is it possible to split my computational task in smaller chunks? The other question is maybe also, <laughs> is, it, is it hard to do so? Because if it's a lot of work to do so, it might also not be worth um, the trade-off here. So that is maybe important here. It's not only, I think it's maybe impossible to, to split any task into smaller chunks, but the, the, um, yeah, the complexity that you add or the, the effort that you create is probably uh, quite high in, in some situations. And I want to, um, maybe, um, add another story here. So, um, I'm, I'd like to tell that story for years. So, so we, um, we build, um, um, a data pipeline with help of Lambda functions um, a few years ago. So we considered um, this requirement. So the function has to execute within 15 minutes or yeah, as it was a few years ago, it was five minutes then. And then we decided, okay, yeah, it's fine. We are able to process and compute everything um, within five minutes, no problem. Um, and then uh, the pipeline went, uh, uh, went to production. It was working very well for a month. Um, but then, um, yeah, something changed. Um, so basically, we were um, analyzing, um, yeah, website traffic, and yeah, the traffic for the website increased very heavily because of external reasons, and um, this caused, um, yeah, much larger files to download and to process in the data pipeline with Lambda, and now we were no longer able to do so within the 15-minute or 5-minute boundary. Um, so, yeah, this was then the showstopper for, for Lambda function. So one thing that is important here is you have to be quite sure that um, the 15-minute uh, runtime execution limit um, is something you can, you can work with even in, in the worst case. Yeah, that is important here. It doesn't have to work in the best case or in, in average cases, but it's really in the worst case that you can think of. Yeah, so that's a good point. And I can also remember this uh, problem and basically we, we migrated the, this part to EC2 and, and then we had uh, all the time that we need to uh, to compute it. Um, so that that's always the, the fallback. Okay, so if you uh, figure out that you cannot split it, um, the tasks or it's too complicated or you cannot really guarantee that, that it will finish within 15 minutes, then you are more or less in the same branch than before. Now the question is, can you use Fargate? So are the resource requirements um, a good fit? So 30 gigs of memory, four cores, and so on and so forth. And basically, you can now use the same branch and decide if you can use Fargate or if you have to fallback completely to EC2. 
But if you think that uh, none of your computational tasks will be um, as expensive as they cannot fit within 50 minutes, then the next question that I would ask myself is, do we expect uh, more than 100 users in parallel? And if you expect less than this, then Lambda is definitely the best, the best fit here. Uh, and if you expect more than that, then I would start arguing that it might be more efficient to look into the other direction. So look into Fargate, uh, the Fargate direction, and if it's even more than 1,000 users in parallel, then I would go back to uh, EC2. Just because the uh, the amount or the, the the premium that you pay for all this management uh, gets uh, significant and you might be better off uh, using uh, something else. Okay, so that's that's it, Andreas. I think that's the, the end of the decision tree. Yes, I agree with your last point um, that you said, but I think there's, there's one other thing to consider here because you said, yeah, um, if you have um, a lot of concurrent requests, um, you should think about using EC2. That's fine, but I think the other uh, requirement <laughs> that you have then is you have to, yeah, you, then there needs to be some, someone needs to take care of all that. <laughs> so you need to have um, stuff or uh, or externals that that actually take care of managing the EC2 instances and operate them. Um, because that's basically what you get when using Fargate or, or, or Lambda that, that AWS is doing that for you. So I think that is then important. You need, um, you need the expertise and also the, the manpower to do so. Yeah, that's 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 right. And it like all the decisions or most of the decisions that I presented are kind of uh, they are not like uh, 100% decisions, so they are no like an indicator for a direction. Um I mean there are some really clear decisions so like the Windows or Linux question or also the memory constraints, um, but the other questions are um as always they they cannot be answered with yes and no, uh, like binary decisions, so they are you can also be somewhere in between. Um and then I would just Uh, go into this direction that 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 makes sense for you taking the the previous questions into account so for example if if your team is not really looking into into using new technologies and you are kind of the question is should you use fargate or lambda then i would always uh, go into direction of fargate because if the people are not interested in using it and uh, why why should you uh, and and this is kind of the yeah the whole the whole idea here Yeah, so I totally agree. So I think the decision tree helps a lot to to get a direction and to maybe also um, ask the right questions to come to a decision here. So definitely check out um, the PDF that that Michael um, has created. Um, so one more question from my side, Michael. So um, you talked about uh, the different options, um, Easy2, Fargate and Lambda. Maybe to, to sum up this discussion, maybe can we discuss a little bit um, the advantages or yeah, also the differences between uh, those three options. So why is Lambda uh, such an important service? Why is it maybe a very good choice for your application? What about Fargate and what about EC2? So maybe we can, we can discuss that a little bit, maybe some, some examples as well. Maybe we start with, with, with Lambda. So with Lambda, you have lots of, lots of issues are solved for you. So for example, the deployment is solved. Uh, you don't have to do any patching. Um, you don't have to do any um, auto-scaling and all those problems are solved. So you, you upload your application basically in terms of a source code bundle and then it runs on AWS Lambda, uh, keeping in mind all the limitations that, that come with that. Um, and you also have to follow the event-driven approach. So you cannot spin up a process and listen on a port, for example. So 
you have to include lambda functions into the serverless ecosystem which means you, you need something that triggers your function so for example you can have an http uh, api gateway you might have a graphql endpoint and if this is uh, hit by a request then your lambda function is triggered and then the code executes so the big benefit here is that you really have uh, most of the operational tasks are uh, completely covered by the lambda service so there, there is no need for rolling updates or things like this. So that's really the, the option where you have uh, not many choices and this is good and bad at the same time. So as always, the limitations um, help you uh, to, to, to solve a problem, but they also limit you in the ways you can, you can what you can do. Yeah, I think what is important to mention as well for, for Lambda is I think I see really big benefits for applications that are very valuable uh, to an to, to, to a company, um, but only a few people use them. So there are many of these applications out there. May, it might have maybe 100 people that are using that application, but they create a lot of value um, by doing so. And I think in that case, having uh, an application running on, on Lambda and with serverless uh, is very interesting because of the, the pay-per-use model here, because we're really paying for each and every incoming request and uh, typically these applications have long times where they are just idling around waiting for new requests and yeah, in that case it's very very good approach to have that on serverless because basically you pay nothing for the compute infrastructure here that is what i see what i see in the real world a very good use case um, for lambda functions yeah, that's true. And you also have to uh, consider that that we are talking about like the application use case here. So it's really an application that serves users and not like some other stuff like data pipelines and things like this. So then the, the situation might change as well. But like to host an application, um, that, that that's really uh, a different kind of perspective. And I also agree with what you said. Uh, if the application is not used heavily by many users in, in uh, concurrently, um, then... The, the pricing benefits of Lambda are, are really interesting. Um, if you uh, are fine with all the restrictions and, and develop like very specifically for this kind of um, paradigm. Yeah, and for me, the, the biggest benefit of Fargate is actually that it, it makes it so easy to deploy containers on AWS. Because if you have decided that, that containers are um, yeah, a good idea for you, so, so probably yeah, you just develop software uh, in-house and then uh, using containers is really powerful because you can yeah, run them on your local machines, deploy them to AWS or any other cloud provider. And I think in that, um, in that case, uh, Fargate is really, really interesting because you don't have any additional work to do. So basically the image, the Docker image that you create is the thing that you can directly deploy to AWS with the help of Fargate. And I think this is a game changer as well because um, yeah, it actually works like an EC2 instance, um, but you can use Docker images that are much easier to create in your deployment pipeline on your local machines and so on. Maybe we also have to mention that you can use Fargate in two different like ways. Um, you can use it in the like ECS kind of way, so that's the um, the container service of AWS, and this is where it feels really uh, like an EC2 instance with all the concepts of security groups, uh, IAM roles, and and everything. And you can also use it if you're more like familiar with using the Kubernetes API for doing deployments. You can also use Fargate using that approach. Um, 
so that's also uh, um, like basically the next decision decision that you can make if if you if you settle on Fargate, you can decide what API do you want to to use to interact with with this Fargate thing. So you can use the ECS API, or you can use the Fargate API. Uh, sorry, or you can use the Kubernetes API uh, using uh, EKS. One important thing to mention here is that I don't know why, but it took AWS more than a year to deliver uh, Fargate for AKS after they announced it. And now they finally released it to the public, but it's only available in four regions. So I don't know really what's going on there. It doesn't seem to be their first priority at the moment. Don't know why, but that's a little bit frustrating. Okay, yeah. So that that's uh, something that you have to that you have to consider. Yeah, if you choose a a service, you also have to check the the region availability. Um, and as as always, uh, like EC2, most mature option, you will find less problems in the EC2 ecosystem than you find in the Fargate on Lambda ecosystem because yeah, they are not as mature as as EC2. So so let's talk about EC2 uh, um, uh, next, Andreas. So in, in, in my opinion, the, the biggest benefits here is that it is very mature, so there's lots of tooling available. There are lots of uh, proven architectures that we can use. And um, with the... Uh, the topic in mind that we talked about in the last episode, you or the, no, not in the last, but in the in the one in the one before that, um, using EC2 in immutable or I- uh, immutable approach, uh, you can also like treat this in two different ways. And the one way is to basically deploy Amazon machine images, um, which is like similar to what you can do with Docker images, but a little bit more heavyweight. Uh, or you can really spin up the EC2 instance and then log into this machine and 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 and. Uh, do whatever you like on the, on uh, using SSH or RDP. Um, so you are very flexible here, and it is. Um, I think the approach where there is um, there are basically not so many limitations compared to all the other approaches. So there's a lot of freedom if you use EC2. Yeah, I also think what is quite interesting um, is that there are a lot of new um, instance types available um, with EC2. So um, AWS is doing a lot of innovation here. So you can have uh, ARM or AMD processors um, that are quite more cost-effective than the Intel stuff. So that's really that's really cool what's what's going on there. So I think, um, yeah, it's also worth checking out uh, EC2, especially if you have workloads uh, with really, really high throughput. And then you have a lot of interesting options there. Okay, Andreas. So I think we are um, done discussing the options. Um, and I hope that this was... Um, high level enough for uh, also people that are not uh, into the technical details to understand what the traders are uh, with all the different options but still it was uh, detailed enough to to make a good decision and i i would really uh, encourage you um, so the listeners uh, if you if you have any feedback then then send us uh, send us an email um, or 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 send us a tweet on twitter so the the details are all um, in the show notes and so I think that's it, Andreas. Is there anything that, that you would like to add uh, for for this time? No, thank you very much, Michael. This was very interesting. And thanks for coming up with this decision tree. So thanks for listening. Uh, and um, yeah, until in two weeks with the next episode. Yeah, so thank you very much and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.